Thanks for downloading the Azarin podcast. I'd just like to issue a content warning. There is swearing in this episode. So if you're sensitive to that kind of thing, maybe just be aware. If you are in an office environment, maybe pop on your headphones. And if you have any feedback or questions, uh, you can get in touch with us. Details are at ozarin.com. Thanks. Hello and welcome to the Ozarin podcast. I'm Liam and this week I'm joined by... Uh, Dave. Ashley. And Brian. Um, and we're here to talk into your ear holes about video games and stuff. Video games. Uh, so let's kick off the podcast with last week's poorly remembered game quote. Cool. And that was, uh, that was mine. Yeah. Uh, no one got it. So congratulations. My quote was, a strong man does not need to read the future. He makes his own. Any of you guys know what it's from? No. It's from Metal Gear Solid. I mean, I do now that you've told me, but I don't remember that particular quote. It's from Metal Gear Solid. So here it is in context. A strong man doesn't need to read the future. He makes his own. <laughs> Perhaps so. And of course, that's like after you... That's the scene where he gets his lad out. No, that's the scene <laughs> where he kicks Psycho Mantis's ass. Oh, right, okay, yeah. No, Metal Gear Solid 2 is the one where he gets his lad out, because that's when he's flipping around and stuff. Yeah, that's you right. got a really good yeah. memory for folk getting their lads th- out in games, I think uh, Meryl gets her lady out. Yeah. <gasps> no, it's, she takes her... To, if she chases her into the toilets quick enough, you can see her with her trousers on. So that was a... That's a pretty good quote. I mean... Is that for MGS1 for PS1 or is it for Twin Snakes? It's from the PS1 version. Right, yeah, okay. It's probably in Twin Snakes as well. I don't know if they changed the dialogue I for that. I think or... they did a bit, but not. They changed a bunch of weird stuff in Twin Snakes. Yeah, like, like the, the stuff scenes. with the, um, yeah, with, uh, well, spoilers. But when Grey Fox and that are fighting Rex, that's all weird and elaborate for have no you seen, reason. Have you seen the bit where, like, you know where um, Snakes listen to uh, Ocelot and Liquid talking in the, um, in, like, the transceiver room? And, like, in the original game, he just, like, he switches to one side of the door to the other just by like being sneaky. But in the Twin Snakes, he does a fucking side flip out of the door frame. <laughs> it's ludicrous. Is it like the riding side flip where his head is practically yeah. parallel with the ground? Like that, but like in the air over the door. Oh. It's ludicrous. He's a beautiful ballerina. Uh, I like, he just does it by being sneaky. But, mm, yeah. And, and Metal Gear Solid 1, of course, is incredibly quotable. Like, yeah. uh, David Hayter does an incredible job in the uh. role of Snake. Uh, Metal Gear. Oh, Kojima didn't Damn. think so. Really? Oh, well. <laughs> well, presumably <laughs> like he did at the much. time, because he hired him to do another two, three games after that. Brian has Maybe. a mega boner for him. Don't, don't for upset Hater. him. Yeah, yeah David Hater's great. I, I don't have a mega boner, but I do like the guy. Yeah. I think he did a really good job. He was the one that you got all the original... You used to yourself when he retweeted you or replied to you. Or... No, 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 that was Steve Bloom. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure it was David Hater. David well. Hater's never replied to me. He'd know mm. because he likes him that much. I, like, I would remember. <laughs> David David Hater was the one that got all the original cast back for Twin Snakes. He paid for it out of his own pocket. What a waste! Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> I mean, Twin Snakes wasn't that bad. That's was, fine. No. I mean, Kojima was fairly distant from that project, right? Yeah, I don't. He wasn't, he wasn't involved. involved that much. No. Yeah, because I think someone said something like, "How do you feel about it?" And he said, "Well, it's not how I'm going to do it." Yeah, and that was interpreted as, "Oh my God, he's going to do a remake of Metal Gear." Mm. Well, I mean, like, um, going by the fact that when Snake has the flashback in MGS4, you play the PS1 version of MGS1. Remember the, the chopper when you're going back to Shadow Moses and you play the first part of MGS1 in the Snowfield. I remember, yeah. I feel like Kojima that version of the I, game. I think that was even better when you, you went into Shadow Moses in uh, Metal Gear 4 and the, the transition between graphics yeah. and, and just how that was a really different good bit of that game. Yeah. The bit really where you see like, the camera falling apart yeah. and stuff. That's like... It's emotional. You know. A lot of people shit on MGS4, but I think it's a genuinely very good game. Yeah. Like, there's, there's so a lot of stuff that ties in it. Like, um, 
it's, Kojima did not want to make that game. It's pretty clear if you look at all the interviews and all that kind of thing leading up to it. And there's the making of documentary where it's pretty evident that it's not a game he wants to be making and he'd rather just leave MGS as it was. So a lot of the game is about like acceptance of death and yeah. um, things not being like how they used to. Like Snake is legitimately dying. Yeah. Um, Meryl is like aware that he's dying, but Snake keeps wanting to, wants to keep going until he's running to the ground, which is like a sort of parallel to the fans of MGS who just keep wanting more and more a snake. Yeah. And the entire game is basically them saying it's like, well, this is this is everything you wanted, but it's basically like the monkey's paw. Like, yeah. this is everything you wanted, but in the worst possible scenario. True. Like, Naomi dies of cancer. Um, um, Otacon still doesn't get his hole. <laughs> All that kind of stuff. No, but like, genuinely, that's what the entire game is about. It's great. The uh, I guess like a lot of the issues with it that people have as well is it's quite a difficult game to make. It has to tie up everything yeah, in does, like yeah. the most convoluted storylines ever, and it, it has it to neatly wrap it, them though. all up. Yeah, it yeah. does. If you're, um, it's one of those games really where if you're a fan of the series and you're really into the lore, mm-hmm. you'll get tons out of it and yeah, you'll yeah. love it. And then if you're not, it's it. I usually hate this line, but it's like, it's really not for you. You know, yeah. if you're no. new to the series or if you're just a casual yeah. fan, you know, you've played a couple of the games, but you don't really know the whole lore. You just like the gameplay. Mm-hmm. This game isn't intended for you. This is a game that's meant to say, look, this is the end now. We're moving on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, th- I think at the time it did a great job of um, the the hardware available on the PS3. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it, I think a lot of it was just playing around with that, like, oh, you've got a six axis controller. Um, we've in- included that in in a way that you can use with the the remote. Yeah. Uh, um, Metal Gear Mark Two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The MK Mark Two, and uh, with your Octo Camouflage as well, I think. Octo Camo was great. Uh, that was one of my favorite bits of the game because like it works really interestingly. Um, the thing is, like, some people are like, well, it takes away a level of strategy because in Metal Gear Solid Three, you have to make sure you're wearing the best camo available but really it doesn't because all you're doing is going into the menu and finding the one with the the lowest yeah you know I think or highest whichever I can't remember which well, you know more than anything the camo, camo in 3 is just inconvenient that you have to keep changing it yeah. so often and like it's not like you have to make any decisions you literally just find the number that is the best it yeah. tells you yeah, yeah. this is the best one to be wearing right now put this one on cool. so you might as well automate it mm-hmm. yeah, it's yeah, great exactly you know? it, it takes in Metal Gear Solid 4 it takes that yeah like requirements keep changing it. I think a lot of people's issues with um, MGS4 in terms of gameplay is like that. I've seen some people claim that they, and I'd, I'd maybe agree with them to some degree that if the gameplay for MGS4 is potentially actually better than fives um, in terms of like the amount of stuff you can do as Snake. Like you've it's, got other side rolls and you can crawl slowly, which isn't really in five as much. Yeah, I would say mechanically it's it's maybe better produced. Yeah, um, I, but I think, the, the level design doesn't really. If you got, you've got the first and the second levels that really make use of that, and then the rest, the remaining levels don't really let you do that. Like there's the level set in the east, um, like East Europe. Mm-hmm. I, think, I can't remember what country. It's the it's one in. where you're doing the uh, the stealth mission. You're doing an old timey's forty. 40s, like, Do you know what's really detective mission, yeah. bizarre is like Metal Gear Solid is a game that built itself on stealth. Like it's the best, like mm-hmm. it, you know, it's a stealth game right through to its roots on mm-hmm. like the NES or the MSX. But Metal Gear Solid Four has one of the worst stealth sections in games. Yeah, like that bit is just dire and boring, um, and I don't really understand why they did that. Was it maybe a sort of like, well, well, look, we can do that too. It's shit, isn't it? Mm. We're so much better than you, you know. Oh, just throwing on a, you know, it's a bit of a a piss take 
almost of like they they do that where it's like you've got disguise you have to stay so many steps behind the other guy and and this is stealth but also it just feels boring and shit so it's 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 not great I kind of wonder if they were like they wanted it to feel like a detective film like the the 40s or something like that because Kojima's obviously into his films a lot Um, and he wanted to emulate that but it just didn't work in terms of gameplay it doesn't work at all it's It's just kind of boring a funny misstep in a series that is so self-aware and so considered most of the time they know exactly what they're doing and they you know, usually, that's why I would have thought, oh, they're doing it for a reason. There has mm-hmm. to be a reason. But it doesn't, it it, al- it just almost doesn't feel like that. It just feels like they've made a really boring game set. And then that chapter really sharply turns into a huge bike chase. Oh, yeah. A when, really massive bike chase. When you chase. find Big Mama and you're, yeah. you go and you end up in the church, don't you, fighting the, the raven. The rage, yeah. Is it Big Mama or Boss Mama? Big Mama. Because it's, it's Big Boss and Big Mama. Right, right. Because, um, yeah. Yeah, because she's the mother of. Uh, she's pretty scary. Yeah, she's uh, she's, scary. she's the surrogate mother of uh, Les Enfants Terribles. Yeah, but it's, it is a very convoluted story. Like not even just for like the entire game series. I think yeah. it kind of prides itself on that to an extent. The the thing is, like you can indulge yourself in the convoluted side, but there yeah. is always like an over. Like each story has a contained sort of yeah. morality and and, mm-hmm. and story and meaning and those things on their own each little thread of the story works and you can take that mm-hmm. yeah um but once you start to delve into the sort of mythos of metal gear that's when it just you lose it it's i it's, love it it's amazing but it is complete batshit oh like, yeah it's <laughs> completely crazy especially stuff like in mgs4 in particular like they had something interesting going on with like the mythos uh, how vamp worked Hmm. It's like, oh, he's he's actually kind of super supernaturally really interesting, and then it's just like, nah, nano machines, mate. Which is the entire AMGS four. It's like everything's nano machines, and also the Patriots are like a load of like servers that look like graves, um, and there's a virus called Fox Alive. It's it's complete fucking mints, but I love it. It's 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 incredible. Nano machines are kind of like midichlorians, right? Oh my god! Basically, anything that I think that most things in that game were solved by being like nano machines. Yeah. yeah. Um, wasn't was Naomi was kept alive by nano machines? Yeah, cancel. Uh, Johnny was able to do certain things because he didn't have nano machines. Yeah. Everything was explained down to. That's great. They take the piss out of that in um, Revengeance a bit, don't they? Uh, yeah. Where it's just um, everything in there is nano machines, but they kind of do it in a sort of knowing wink, of nudge, like nudge, wink, wink. Nano machines. Yeah. Like, Metal Gear Rising was definitely. It was almost like a parody of the series. Yeah. It, and it just, it just, it was over the top and it made fun of itself. And I hated that game. What? Really? Oh, really? Yeah. Why? I t- well, I'm shit at it, so All that's right. probably part of it. There's some really, like. You're not a fan of uh, Raiden either, are you? Oh, no, not really. It's. There are some parts of Metal Gear I just, I'm kind of just like, eh, and I, I just want them to go away. Oh, see, I thought Raiden has the best sort of arc, because. Um, when he first came about, I hated him. You know, yeah. right in the Metal Gear Solid yeah. 2, he's the worst. Yeah. He's shit. He's a whingy little piece of shit, and I hate him. And then, like, I, I, the next time you I see like him... I like him better than I like Rose, though. Yeah. Like, she do, do you know what day it is? Do you remember what day it is? <laughs> yeah. It's like, just leave me alone, she please. Was, she's very annoying. Very needy. Um, but, like, the next time you see him... It's the next time you see him in Metal Gear Solid 4. Yeah. When he comes back and he's a cyborg. Even then, I don't like him as much in Metal Gear Solid 4. You're like, oh, Raiden's a cyborg. Yeah, he comes back and he's like, it's my yeah. turn to protect you, Snake. And you're like, he's kind of cool, but he's still Raiden. Yeah. It's like he's a cool cyborg Raiden. It's, it's like putting Millhouse in a mech. Yeah. Uh, and then, Revengeance, the transition is complete. He's yeah. this badass, psychopathic, 
cyborg who slaughters folk and has like thrash metal playing as he does well, it. I think well, that's like, the thing you always wanted to play as ninja in the Metal Gear games, didn't yeah. you? Like the first Metal Gear game, you really wanted to play as Gray Fox. You're like, oh, how, how do I play as him? I want to yeah. play with a sword. And then I think they did introduce it to the VR missions. Yeah, you could play as ninja in VR missions for a while. Um, but they kind of really achieved that way, Revengeance. Because, and they did it in a really smart way as well. Like, they actually played into Raiden's past as a child soldier. Yeah. Yes. And they, they make, they make it pretty clear as like, he's still no over that and he's hiding it. Yes. Um, and then he eventually embraces it to overcome the obstacles that face him in the, in With, the final game. It's actually really interesting. His nickname What's, was Jack the Ripper. Yeah. Jack the Ripper, yes. yes. It's time to let it rip. Doctor, <laughs> turn off my pain inhibitors. It's, it, it's a, Metal Gear Solid Rising is a very strange storyline. It just, it, it it kind of like flips on its head and just yeah. it changes at some point to the point where it's really it is really silly, but it knows it's being silly. See, it's, I don't I don't think a lot of platinum games are like that. Yeah. They know they're being stupid. Hideo Kojima would never have taken it that far. No, no. Like he always kind of likes to he 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 has that that ridiculous yeah sort of over the top. Well, like uh, yeah. Liquid Ocelot, like yeah. he, he's just a, in Metal Gear Solid Four. He's crazy. He's a really kooky character. But it's always grounded in this weird sort of. It, it works. It's not yeah. like the game itself is really crazy. It's like him. He's he, this is his personality. Whereas like Rising is, it's just a completely bizarre game. It's a hundred percent a platinum game as well. Like, like I said, like every platinum game just is a platinum game. Even though they yeah. do all this different stuff, you can just boil it down to this is entirely platinum. Like. It's a bit like um, the Scott Pilgrim movie. It's so much the comics. Like, it's such a faithful adaptation of the comics. Yeah. But it is, in every way, an Edgar Wright movie. Yeah. Like, yeah. every frame of that film has Edgar yeah. Wright written all over it. And it's the same way with Platinum doing Metal Gear Solid. It's, it's a Metal Gear Solid game, but every single piece of that game... It's just got platinum written like. So all just over remind it. me, platinum also did uh, Bayonetta and Vanquish, Bayonetta. and now they're working on Near Automata. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Cool. Yeah. So it's, here's another thing about um, platinum as well. Like it's specifically no platinum, but Hideki Kamiya, mm-hmm. who's one of the directors. Um, even but like one of the first like major games he did is Resident Evil Two. He directed that, um, and you can even tell for that very early kind of stage in his career. That's a Hideki Kamiya game. Mm-hmm. Like the way he does stuff, like he's very action oriented. He likes. He really likes, um, like, sort of early 90s, mid 90s action movies. Uh-huh. So, like, there's a, it takes a, a borrows a lot for, like, Terminator and, um, Alien and all that kind of thing. Um, so, you can kind of even kind of feel that. And I think that's carried over into Platinum because he's one of their major kind of figureheads in Platinum. Um, so, I think it's maybe just a part of them being a the developer. Like, they, they, a lot of their personnel have kind of wee landmarks they like to have in games or, like, just kind of things they do. Sure. Um, so. Speaking of Platinum, is scale bound out yet? No. What? Next year. Okay. This year, sorry. Has it been delayed? Is that why? It was it delayed just last year, yeah. Okay. Is Kamiya working on that one? That's that's the one he's directing, yeah. yeah. It that's looks it. really good, actually. What's scale it bound? It's like um, Fighting Dragons, isn't it? It's um, it's a cross between Platinum Games' normal stuff and an open-world RPG. Oh, cool. And you have a dragon that you can call AJ um, and all that kind of thing. It looks weird, the, but interesting. Some of the aesthetics look a bit generic yeah it's, it's a weird sort of like they don't have like there's not a there's no flair to it sure but um the the gameplay will probably be like just on point what's mm-hmm. i mean what's the setting is it fantasy or is it science fiction is, is it like you futuristic have a dragon, or? Brian. 
Well, yeah, but <laughs> like some things. Well, some some games try and work in like uh, fancy beasts with the future kind of technology. I know, like, but like I think all like you need Monster to know Hunter about maybe? the game is you have a dragon. I think like, it's high. Is it high fantasy? It's high fantasy crossed with some modern stuff because the character you play is is like wearing a set of Beats headphones and listens to the dubstep. <laughs> oh, I right. forgot about that. Well, That's so stupid. Dragon. Yeah, it's fucking dumb. That's, I mean, I suppose, like, the Hobbits had Beats headphones in, in Lord of the Rings as well, didn't they? I'm not sure that's correct. What? I, <laughs> it was no, in Kingsglaive. I'm, King's I'm, I'm telling lies. Oh, this is a joke. I, I understand and recognise this as a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, so, moving on from uh, Metal Gear, have, have you guys played anything this week? Um, I've been playing Crash Bandicoot 2 and Deus Ex Mankind Divided. Cool. Um, as I said to you guys earlier, um, I've been trying to 100% crash to, yeah. which is um, a waking fucking nightmare. <laughs> it's really hard. Um, like crash, crash one's hard, but crash two has a lot more sort of weird esoteric stuff going on. Like there's the warp, like for one thing, there's like the warps and dip certain levels that warp you secret bits and other levels. Yeah. Oh yeah. In order yeah, to yeah, get yeah. boxes that you can't normally get in the regular level, so you have to, in order to get this gem for this level, you have to find a secret bit. And another level that the game doesn't actually telegraph you at all. It just you have to look it up. Like there is no other way to do it. Yeah. Specifically, um, this is the yellow gem you're talking about, right? No, no, I'm talking about just a standard clear gem. The oh, yellow right. okay. gem. The yellow gem is the worst thing that's ever been in a video game. Um, <laughs> and I'll tell you why because it's a, a level called um, Christ, what's it called? Uh, Air crash, I think, um, or um, Pangy. One of the levels where you're on um, the jet-powered waterboard, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to, w- once you get to the first checkpoint in the level, you then have to complete it um, in less than a minute and ten seconds. But that is also dependent on how fast you've completed the first part of that level, because the counter's actually still there when you start the level, but it's invisible. Uh-huh. Um, so by the time you get to the first checkpoint, it might actually be less than one minute and ten seconds. Right, okay. Um, and obviously, like, um, the level itself is hard. You can't die because the counter then disappears if you die, so you have to restart the level. But then, on top of that, if you start the level, the first couple of parts of the level um, have moving platforms uh-huh. and things um, like that, and they are affected by RNG, for what I can tell. Okay. And the RNG... Um, RNG is... Random number generator. Okay. Um, that um, can change when you start up a level. So, the, the pla- a moving, there's a, pla- a moving platform right at the start, and depending on where it is, yeah. that might actually shave time off you start. You have, you have to wait for it you to come to, You might have to, to wait or you can it. jump right away. Right. Um, and you need to know. Um, but just because that's in the right place doesn't mean everything else later in the level is going to be the right place. So you need to always be on your toes and you need to do it in one minute and ten seconds. I nearly broke my PlayStation. <laughs> I, I had to like... Um, Did like, you rage quit? No, I didn't. I kept going. And I eventually they get the gem, um, but congratulations! It, I was I was really upset. It was really really hard. I forgot how hard that game was. Crash Three is really difficult as well, but Two just seems like Three had this um, thing where like the level the level design was being considered. And it was it gave you hints as to where things were, hmm. whereas Two still seems like it's very sort of esoteric and quite willing to let you be tricked by the game. Uh-huh. I think it's, uh, maybe that's a bad description of it, but it's still very much a, an early game yeah. um, in the PlayStation era where like everything's just kind of left to the for the player to figure out, whereas 3 is a, a little bit more helpful in that respect. There's a bit more going on. Cool. Um, 
I've also been playing Deus Ex Mankind Divided. This is a great game. Um, I'm, I'm not too much in it yet, but like, in terms of like how far I'm. But it is a good game from what I've played. Um, um, have you guys all played the first Deus Ex? Yeah. Not Human Revolution, but Deus Ex? No. You've never played Deus Ex? No. Nope. Really? I've got it. Liam, you've played it. Right? I have yeah, not definitely. played it yet. It's I, fantastic. It, it, the first Deus Ex came out when I was still really deep in Half-Life. Oh, right. Like okay. the original one. I think it was like, what, 1998 maybe? 2000. Really? Yeah. Oh, well, I was, either way, I was still playing Half-Life back then. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, like, um, I get a lot of, like, um, Prague, which is the kind of hub level. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on in Prague. Like, there's loads of different things you can do. Um, and it's a really huge level as well. So there's, yeah. like, loads of different things going on. I think maybe even uh, when you say huge as well, not necessarily in terms of uh, the the size of the map, no. but the depth. Yeah, um, there's like, a... You can go into, like, pretty much, well, not every, but a lot of different It's got a lot of verticality. And, um, yeah. like, there's a lot of locked doors. There's different ways you can approach getting into certain areas of the level. And it reminds me of a lot of... Um, there's an equivalent level kind of like it in um, Deus Ex. It's not really a hub level, but it's a level you go back to several times. It's Hell's Kitchen. Right. Which has quite a lot going on to it as well. Obviously nowhere near as big. But it reminded me of that, which was quite nice. Um, one thing I did find a bit um, kind of off-putting was the way that there was the game introduced the latter part of a side quest to me. Um, so the first side quest in the game, without spoiling anything, is you encounter a person that forges documents for um uh like what's the word I'm looking for? For people with um artificial limbs. Ogs. What they call it Ogs, yeah, that's it. I completely forgot the word for that there. But yeah, um <laughs> Yeah, there's so there's a lot of police scrutiny and uh uh, discrimination against uh, because, humans in because this game. the Ox caused the incident in human evolution um, which like it's not worth going into here but if you look into it there's, there's quite a lot of backstory here mm-hmm. uh, and, and in terms of like the the game's main plot yeah the, the game has like a 20 minute cutscene that starts with it explains everything um, so you encounter this forger that is making like um, fake ID for Ox um, and you have a discussion with her um, and you discuss the moral, like, the morality and ethics around making these falsified documents. Whereas, like, it's bad because it's falsifying documents and letting people, letting people in that may not be who they seem. And also, there's also a fake, fake police squad that are extorting Ogs using her. Mm-hmm. Um, so you think it's initially her fault that she's making all this money, but she's actually not making any money from it. Um, so, you eventually get to the end of the conversation, and she's like, okay, okay, I'll, I'll stop doing this, um, except when I really need to. And then it comes up with a dialogue box saying, what do you mean you really need to, or get away from the equipment right now? So I went, get away from the equipment now, stop it, like, let's just nip this in the bud. And then the character effectively says to you, are you sure, because this is the end of the side quest, and then there's going to be more stuff after this? So... And I, at that point, I was kind of like, well, I have to now select the other dialogue option because the game has railroaded me into it. Why would you know just give me the side quest instead of give me this pointless dialogue like option where when I could have just, when you could have given me the side quest and I could have decided to not do it, but you've given me it now anyway and I might as well just get the EXP. I know that sounds really picky, but the game presented it in such a way where it was basically just saying, you'll miss the end of the side quest, by the way, if you respond like this. And it's like, you've just had a, char- a character in the game just effectively turn to the camera and say, you're an idiot. Finish the quest properly. It feels a bit like um, Final Fantasy does this sometimes, mm-hmm. but mostly they did it in 15 
yeah. where they'll say you won't be able to return to this point in yeah, the game yeah. now if you progress make sure you're ready yeah. uh, and they do it kind of they did it in 7 I believe somebody's like in the crater they're like if we go past here this is the point of no return yeah, let's yeah. make sure we're yeah, ready there's yeah. one of the characters saying it to his buddies and that's mm. like I think the only time maybe they do it in so they worked 7 into the story, so. yeah but in 15 there are several points where the game just stops and a menu comes up and says yeah be prepared to just go and not be able to come back here and it's like it. I understand why it needs to be there and I'm not saying they should have just taken it out and let you go ahead without knowing that but that to me means that the game is structured that bit there there's mm-hmm. a bit of a a problem with the structure there where you find that if you were to progress and not have been ready that it might completely bugger up your save because you've saved past a point where you can't yeah. return yeah it's just a a bit I mean, of poor game design, I think. Sometimes it's not true either. Like sometimes yeah. it pops up and tells you you may not be able to return to this area for some time, and, and you're then like, you just do. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was literally three minutes, guys. I mean, yeah. di- diegetic versus Aquest, non-diegetic yeah. is usually a design decision. So yeah. whether you actually want a character saying it to you or whether yeah. you want it, it's, in the it's menu. not so much. It's not so much um, how it's told to you. I mean, I I I'd say it's. I I think it's an issue in any game. It's unavoidable sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to avoid it. You, I think it's best to try and either make it as l- keep the immersion. Yeah. In 15, it felt like a, a design problem in the game overall. Sure. Um, which was maybe unavoidable after a certain point in development because it is there's this big open world hub kind it's, of you know. But and the all, way the game is, yeah. you can't avoid it. Yeah. Um, so. But it's that kind of thing in Deus Ex. There, that's the easiest. Easily avoided in Deus Ex. Yeah. That makes no sense. Why I, is it like that? There's a lot of games as well that won't yeah. even tell you. Like yeah. if it's like, oh, you know, if you kill, a, kill an NPC or something, you yeah. can no longer do their side quest. Yeah, but that's that's kind of like um, something like Fallout. Yeah, where it makes sense um, for the game to tell you that if if that's the choice, you should have to live with the choice. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. not have the game go, are you sure you want to yeah, make that yeah, choice? Because yeah. this is the consequence. Be, it shouldn't be constantly yeah. reiterating. Or the Witcher 3, that's a game that does that. Yeah. If you could do something wrong, you lock yourself out of content later or you have repercussions. Yeah. And the game doesn't go, are you sure you want to do that? Because there are bad consequences yeah. to this or you won't be able to access yeah. this content. Well, it's, it's like the Walking Dead games as well by yeah. Telltale. Like it has things like so-and-so will remember this and that yeah. changes the outcome of your story. But it doesn't say... Are you sure they, it might affect your... The character in Deus Ex legitimately says to you, are you sure you don't want to ask me about this? <laughs> it feels, That's what she says. Do you know what it feels like? It feels like because some developers, not so much now, but there was a time uh, during the PlayStation 3 or something where some developers were really worried that you'll miss out on content because yeah. they've made that content, yeah. they want it in the game, they want you to see it, and they will railroad you and say, look at the content that we have provided you with. Yeah. Uh, and this feels kind of like that. They're like, well, we want to have this decision, but we don't want them to n- think that it. there's no content mm-hmm. there to have. So we'll make it obvious. They should have had it... Um, they, they should have just worked it differently. That, there, sure. I don't I think mean, there's any excuse like for that. sounds like that could have been salvaged easily by a bit of um, clever writing. You know, yeah. Like, oh, but aren't you going to ask me why? And then yeah. it's like, you can ask them why or no, just stop kind yeah. of thing. Rather you than can write it to have to have another chance to, to come back to winking. Yeah. Or even if, even if they just went with it, because there is like some moral choice stuff in Deus Ex. Yeah. And there's like, I know it's obviously not the same as The Witcher's, like there's no permanence in decisions. I know there's multiple endings in Human Revolution, but there's it's a decision that you make right at the end of the game. Like, it's nothing, there's nothing in the middle of the game that changes that, really. It's something you do at the end of the game. Whereas, like, if it's just, like, an extension to a side quest, like, why would you know just, like, give me the option to do it, 
And if I say no, then that's my decision. You don't have you don't have to have a character say, "Oh, you're going to miss it on EXP," because that's basically what you're telling me. Yeah, you're going to miss it. It's like, well, that's if I make the mistake, then I make the mistake. And then if I read about it later, then I go, oh man, I made that mistake. And I might want to replay it and see how that side quest plays out. Yeah. And see the games tell me, it's like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You, you, we'll give you another chance. It was like, no, don't do that to me. Like, if I want to make that decision in the game, just let me do it. Sure. It's, I don't, it seems really nice. It's, it's quite handholdy. But I suppose as well, the part you're at in the game is quite near the beginning of the, the game. So maybe it's. I know, but like, The Witcher does that right at the beginning of the game. Like, it, it makes permanence and decisions. Like, stuff really early in the game. Yeah. The Witcher, how it does it. The Witcher does it in a way where, um, it provides you a sort of area, not a tutorial area, but there are sort of breaks where you can experiment a bit and if you make poor decisions it's not going to be one that's going to have massive repercussions but mm-hmm. there'll be a little repercussion and you'll be like oh I understand now decisions that I make yeah. will affect this world and will yeah. affect what I can do and, and will come back and I will reap yeah. what I sow basically so I think one of the first missions in the The Witcher 3 presumably you're talking about yes so it's like the blacksmith it's yeah. like it's one of your first missions in the game and yeah. you, I mean this is after you leave uh, your mentor type person and the uh, you you get a different way to approach how you deal you can, with the blacksmith. Yeah, basically what you can do is... is he's is, a dwarf. Yeah. And he's like, he has arguments with other people in the village. Oh yeah, that's right. And, they, um, they burn so down you, his... You can either smith. side with him or you can, like, you know, get revenge on the person that was, like, messing with him or... Yeah. And then that has repercussions on, on that, that small starting yeah. area. It tells you so much about the world. It tells you that people in this world, nothing's black and white, you know. Yeah. The, the dwarf may have been in the right at the start. You know, you're like, well, of course the dwarf is in the right and these people who are attacking him, they're in the wrong. Yeah. But then you find out that, you know, the way the dwarf's going to handle it, it's maybe not the way you're going to handle it. Sure. It's not going to work out the way you think it is and you have to really be... People in this world, they're not black and white. Yeah. They're yeah. really... And I mean, there's, there's probably people straight from the outset that would be against the dwarf for yeah. their own reasons as well. Or maybe they're like playing as a... As a bad guy, bad guy, yeah, yeah. But it teaches you to really think about people's character, which is really funny because, like, usually in games, you can sort of go, "Well, this guy's obviously a bad guy, and this guy's obviously a good guy." Yeah. The the world of The Witcher is so well. That's that's great. what I went in into this side quest and uh, Deus Ex things. Like, is she is she lying to me? But is or is she like being is she being truthful? But the game kind of makes it pretty clear she's she's a sympathetic character. Yeah. She's like, I didn't do anything, I didn't mean it, it was, it was, I was taking advantage of and all that kind of thing and it kind of spoiled how I was going into the quest thinking because maybe I've, I've been spoiled by playing The Witcher 3 where these characters are like that and you do have to go in thinking, is, like, is this person yeah. telling the truth or are they lying to me? So out of interest, is the forger an og herself? Uh, I don't believe she is, no. Right, okay. I was I was wondering if they, they were trying to go for the sympathetic vote as a result of oh she's like you type thing empathise with her or... no it's all it's all the kind of things like I just wanted to help my friends and you're like right I see this is this is pretty clear cut <laughs> um, so it's just like I don't know like I, I feel like there could have been a bit more uh, it could have been a bit more three dimensional yeah uh, but like I, I know why it's not it's a big budget game and they're selling to loads of people and they need to make these kind of things pretty clear cut but and I, I hate, well, I I hate say, how to keep saying it, but The Witcher 3. Yeah, I would say The Witcher 3 <laughs> it does it very shows well. you that yeah. AAA games... The Witcher 3 sold amazingly well. It did, yeah. So The Witcher 3 shows you that you don't have to compromise on stuff. And exactly, you don't have yeah. to hold hands. Um, everything down to the packaging of the box. Everything about that game is... I kind of feel like it's well a very designed. mature game as well. Yeah, like, it is, it's yeah. just It's really... 
I don't know. It's it's almost like a, a novel yeah. in terms of the 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 amount of content and the the people that are presented in the world. It's it's very well thought out and very well. I think it, it's got a lot of depth yeah. to it. Mm. I think their approach to game design comes down to the culture of the developer. Mm. Like if you're looking to their backstory, and I think it's something that we should talk about. We, we in, have touched on it briefly. Yeah, is uh, the recently CG project CG project. Reg. Well, CD project themselves as a whole because CD Project Red is a part of CD Project. Oh, okay. okay. CD Project own like good old games and Oh really? Yeah, yeah. And and they own CD Project Red who are their developer. They must be rich. They are well because <laughs> they, they money, came yeah. from they um a brief history is they started off um in Poland there wasn't a game market or a game you know they weren't being localized for yeah. a Polish audience. Um, they were, they so, were a Welsh company, right? Yeah so what they did was they would pirate games mm. And distribute them in Poland at like car boot sales or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and they made a lot of money doing that. So eventually they decided to move into actually localizing and distributing for the Polish market. Yeah. Um, so they, they went legit basically. Uh, and I think, I don't know exactly what, how it came about, but they started, um, developing games as well. They were going to develop a PC port of Baldur's Gate 2. Okay. Um, they started work on it. They did the first Baldur's Gate. I think they did the PC port for that, or they were going to do... Um, but anyway, that got canned. The project went bankrupt. So that... Um, I don't know who it was, Wizards of the Coast, or whoever was developing it for the console, was like, we're going to cancel the PC port. So they had all this code, and they were like, well, that's good code. And that code eventually became The Witcher, oh. which is really interesting. But the whole sort of... Um, back in their early days, you know, it was all about getting people in Poland access to these games. Yeah. It wasn't about making money. Sure, yeah. It was about... that. These were gamers who wanted to play games, and they realized that they could pirate games, and yeah. I mean, then they realized that they could distribute them. It's the way them. the anime first came about the scene in, in like, the 80s when it was in VHS, yeah. and people were, like... Fa- you know, fan subs were, were being sent around with these VHSs. Tape yeah. trading and all that kind yeah. of so, thing. So, as a company, they've come from, um, you know... It's grassroots, basically. You know, they they were all about let's get the games in the hands of people who want them, yeah, and let's make sure that they're good quality games. You know, because we they care. The only reason they wanted to distribute these things is because they were gamers who cared about games. Yeah, and now it feels like they're still doing that same thing. It's still the same guys. They're not. I don't think they're a massive company. And I think it comes through in their um, in their development approach for Cyberpunk as well, which they announced what like three years ago now. And it probably won't be out for another couple of years, but it's it's pretty clear that they're like, we want to make this game an actual cyberpunk game. Um, so they've got the original writer for the the tabletop board game and all that kind of thing, and they've got him really involved in it. Um, and it's pretty clear that they're, they're taking their time to make sure this world is as big as it possibly can be. And that's exactly what they did with, what did with The Witcher 3. Yeah, so. as, a, as a company that they do, they have a great respect for the IPs that they're... Yeah. Um, developing from and adapting and it's funny because it's, it's it's almost a two-way street because they're not just taking this and adapting it and making the game yeah they actually have an effect on the ip itself mm-hmm. yeah. so the witcher um wasn't translated as the witcher i don't believe that's not what it was localized the last as. wish it was localized yeah. As, yeah and they were like well we need a catchier title you know a good name for this game yeah so they localized it then as the witcher and now the books are localized over here also as The Witcher. That's just what yeah. it is. So it's it's funny that they sort of work with... It's, it's a two-way street almost. Yeah. Um, they really are uh, invested in these IPs. It's great. 
I think they're one of the best companies working at the it moment. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, the uh, they're working on a cyberpunk game just now. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and it's like from the screenshots I've seen, it looks like it's going to be pretty incredible. Very exciting. It's, it's very faithful cyberpunk, like proper 80s level cyberpunk. It yeah, looks really, really it's interesting. It's like Blade Runner style stuff, like human augmentations, neon yeah. lights, uh, dark cities. Maybe you'll get the Deus Ex game that you wanted. <laughs> Thank Christ. <laughs> no, uh, like, uh, I don't want to, uh, it wasn't my intention to shit no, on Deus Ex Mankind Divided, but like, I just feel that there's some potential, even this early in the game, there's some potential there that I feel that they're no building on. Sure. Um, but again, I know it's because like Square Enix are building to stakeholders and so Are you on. playing on PS4? Yes, I am, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, it's, it's a shame if you'd had it on PC, there might have been mods available to to change certain elements of it. You can't really mod the story to be better. <laughs> well, well, well. No, like, again, that seems very harsh. Like, um, it's not like I'm saying the story's terrible. It's just like I feel like there's opportunities to could have, because like, even the stuff like the Ogs are being oppressed, that seems quite clear cut. Yeah, I would so, also feel like if you were going to be critically evaluating a game, you couldn't forgive things because modders have done it better. No, yeah, no, that's it's be like going true. to a restaurant and saying, "But certainly, I, mean, I added some salt to Gordon Ramsay's dish and made it better." <laughs> now it's you know, not not to get too too off track, but um, I mean, I guess that's your your misgivings for the the way they presented that. Are you sure that you don't want to tell tell you more? There might be people yeah. who are like, "Oh, wait." Maybe I should like listen to what they say. Oh yeah, so, yeah, I'm not it's, saying it's, it's, it's objectively bad. No, no, like, no. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just like I feel that it feels like because we've gone over it already. Like sometimes it's essential, sometimes yeah. it's unavoidable. It just if you want that to, if you want to make sure they do it, there's maybe a better way to do it. Yeah, um, it's not so much that they were like we need to make sure they get to this content. Yeah, I'm not really fussed about that. It's all about how you. Develop a game yeah. to direct a player's yeah. attention mm-hmm. and through your world. Um, and that's one of the... There are ways you can do it without directly saying yeah. to the player, this is where you go. Like, you can do it in different ways. Um, we've discussed it before, like Final Fantasy VII's uh, map layout and all that kind of thing. That's a good example of it, but we've, that, we could talk about this for hours and hours and hours. So, yeah. um, I didn't like how it did the, that quest no. in Deus Ex. Yeah. That's what I'll say. So. Cool. Well, let's move on then. Uh, Ash, have you played much this week? So I feel you've kind of been left out of the conversation. <laughs> not really, no. Uh, I pretty much... What have I been playing? Pokemon. I finished off, I finished off Pokemon Moon. Yeah. yeah, you I came through last night and exclaimed that you were the, the champion. Yes, I am the champion. I am now Aloha's first Pokemon League champion. First in my in game anyway, world. like not the first ever. I'm sure many other people finished it before me. But I get to sit on a throne in a mountain, which was pretty cool. Is the throne made of skulls? Um, no, it's not made of skulls. Unfortunately, it's just made of stone or mountain, I, I kind of expected maybe? Pokemon would grow up with me, but... No, no, I mean, like, the Pokemon summaries grew up with you. Some of them are vicious, man. Like, some of those Pokemon are horrendous creatures. Was it, Was there not one that was like, uh, oh, this Pokemon eats another type of Pokemon? There's one that hunts Starmies. It's specifically designed to hunt and eat Starmie. It likes to crack its gem off. <laughs> what? Jesus Christ. Um, I wonder if, like, the there's, there's quite a few of them that are like, Earth. if you actually read to the summaries, they are really brutal. It's as though they've decided to, yeah, take kind of like planet Earth or animals as, like, real animals as a jumping point. And they're like, oh yeah, this is, you know, they have a real ecosystem and this one eats that one and this one's a terrible animal. And That's right, because, yeah. like, previously in Pokemon games, there's been a sort of a weird. Or maybe not Pokemon games, but I certainly remember in the anime, people don't really eat Pokemon. No. no. Like, um, 
There's you an episode state, where James it's... buys a goldfish. A goldfish? What is it called? A magic Magikarp. Yeah. yeah. Or a golding. And he's like, I'm going to eat it. And people are like, why, the, why are you going to eat that Magikarp? Oh, but Magikarp, they they wrote in the story, like, its scales are really tough. So yeah, he breaks his tooth on it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but even, even people were like, why would you eat a Pokemon? Yeah, I think it's weird. But I think that, I don't know. Um, I've always been of a... I, I, I think it's weird that they haven't utilized Pokemon as yeah. as food because, like, quite obviously, there's like Tauros, which yeah. are essentially well. Yeah, like I don't think Pokemon are animals. I think they're basically Digimon, right? Um, that have somehow been given form. Not Digimon. I mean, but they are computer I think programs that have been given. The difference is, I mean, certainly between the anime, at least, is in Pokemon you see them in the wild and they they kind of herd, whereas in Digimon they're almost no, like... no, no. I, I mean, I, I'm not saying they are Digimon. Oh, right, okay. They're digital monsters, is what I meant. Right, right. Truly, so like they yeah, are Digimon. basically oh, augmented reality type thing. N- given form somehow. Right. Um, and the reason for this is. This is not my own theory, by the way, but it's a very solid theory. Is this like Westworld? Well, you can store Pokemon in a computer. Yeah. Yeah. You can... And by the way, if people are saying, no, you're just transporting them to Bill's house. Have you been in Bill's house? It's a computer. Mm -hmm. In the new games, they don't technically live in a computer. Well, okay. This is weird because this is, (laughs) again, like the older... The older games... This game, they're like eating each other. But in the older games, they didn't eat each other. (laughs) So this is just... They so have, but they've you, become more like real animals. But anyway, I, I just quite like so. that there is an ecosystem now, and okay. like you, could, you probably could write out like a big. Kind well, of see, I don't like that because I don't. I yeah. I liked the idea that this that Pokemon were something more than animals. Yeah. I mean, you keep Pokemon in the Pokeball, uh-huh. and in the Pokeball, it's just light. Like there's mirrors in the Pokeball yeah. in anime, and it it basically captures this weird light. You can transfer. Pokemon, you can take them to the hospital and you just put them on the thing and it's like, ding, ding, your Pokemon are fine. Everything about the original Pokemon games suggests that Pokemon aren't animals or creatures or living things. But this could potentially be a way of teaching kids that they're more than just like these toys. I don't give a fuck about teaching kids. (laughs) The early games weren't about that. There was no consideration for like, apart from like stuff like, um, um, was it in, what was the place, uh, the tower? Um, oh, teaches Lavender kids about time. death almost. Yeah, like that's. But even then, it's that's not really a weird about, thing. Like, like how to treat Pokemon. It's just like no, Pokemon death in general. Pokemon back so. then, they also still had like fossils and stuff. Like these fossils were Pokemon, yeah. and these Pokemon have died. Uh-huh. But um, does that not kind of like? But in, in Pokemon, no, I don't know. I think <laughs> because it depends. In Pokemon, when Pokemon die, people aren't like, oh, well, Pokemon die. You know, they're like, oh, your Pokemon's dead. Yeah. That is, you know, they treat it like that's a weird thing that happened to that person. It doesn't happen to everybody's Pokemon. You know, it only happened to certain Pokemon. And it it just felt weird. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was especially like with a, was it Saffron City? Like, no, death wasn't true, because there's only one city has a graveyard. Yeah, Lavender Town. N- no other city has a graveyard. Which, and it's not even yeah, a graveyard, Lavender it's a tower. Lavender the one with the ghost Pokemon. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so... To me, it felt like death wasn't a normal, not, wasn't a normal part of life for Pokemon. Yeah. This wasn't everywhere. It was only in this place and it only happened to certain Pokemon. Yeah. Yeah. Certain um, men have definitely grown up. Yeah. There's things like, um. Well, I mean, in, in the first Pokemon, there were one or two things that were a bit weird. Like, um, you had a, is it Cubone and Marowak? Yeah. They and still have that, yeah. It's Marowak, still harrowing and horrific. Cubone <laughs> is wearing the skull of his mother. Yeah. It's yes. a Kangaskhan, isn't it? Or whatever. I can't. Uh, the, the, 
the weak the the theory is that the Pokemon that is Cubone uh-huh. is uh, which one is it? Kangaskhan, and, yeah. like an orphan Kangaskhan. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. and it's wearing his mother's skull. So when they put the skull on it, because this is uh, established in Pokemon, right. Pokemon's evolutionary forms can be changed by interaction with physical objects yeah. or the environment this or other Pokemon. So, so uh, yeah, yeah. if you take Shelter, for instance, I think it's Shelter, for example, um, a Slowpoke can evolve into a Slowbro. Yes. But if a Shelter bites the tail, it becomes a Slowking, is that it? Or it has to slow bite bro. the... The, it bites the tail to become a slowbro. Yes. And if it bites its head, it becomes a slow king. Okay, yeah. yeah. That's it. So it, if it bites the tail, it's one Pokemon. If it bites the head, it's another Pokemon. So that is an example established in the Pokemon world where this will change the way a Pokemon evolves. And then it's the same with Clefairy and the Moonstone. So the Moonstone isn't some magical um, Pokemon gem. It's just a piece of the moon. It's a shard of the moon. It, it was a creator... Uh, Meteorite. A meteorite hit yeah. the ground, and that changed the way Pokemon evolved. Yeah, that certain like Pokemon. from the moon, they imply that. Like, they really imply it's okay. an alien, yeah. yes. But either, either way, this object changes the way the thing... And it's the same with uh, lightning stones and whatever. Mm. So Pokemon respond to things. So this provides um, the basis for the Kangaskhan uh, theory, is that that's what Q1 is. And if you look at the designs... They are basically the same, and one of them just has a skull. So it's a Kangaskhan, because the Kangaskhan has like a pouch and stuff, doesn't it? It's and like their children go into the yeah. couch, pouch. So um, that is what people think the cube one is. Sorry about that. I got pretty, I didn't even think I knew that much about Pokemon. Uh, evidently, um, I know a bit more than I thought. No, the designs are similar. But... Sunnimans definitely. Uh, well, Pokemon out. Evolve. So Pokemon, you know, it can look... Similar. It I'm, I'm not trying to shit on your theory. I'm just I'm trying to put it together for myself and kind of see where it's it's coming from. There's, there's some um, like Slowbro doesn't look like a slow poke. I thought it, it was a Marowak similar, that died protecting a Cubone though. What's I a Marowak? That the whole thing. That's, That's what Cubone evolves into. Yeah. I don't fucking know. I think <laughs> it's a Kangaskhan. That's what I think. Uh, uh, there, is, there is some. I mean, can, can, in, in Pokemon, Kangaskhan doesn't have an evolution. At least in the original games, yeah, it might it do doesn't. now. But I think it's Mega Kangaskhan. Like, Honestly, I'm not kidding. There, there are, yeah, there are mega evolutions. There are Pokemon where, where that don't evolve, but that you get a special the, bracelet where the they kind Kangish of evolve. Can, the baby Kangaskhan comes out of the pouch, and then I just think they just kick some ass or something. I don't know. Um, like the, the mega evolutions are fucking bullshit. Like they, they just put some spikes on Pokemon. They look yeah. so stupid. They look like Digimon. If it's yeah. a mega evolution, that's one of the temporary ones, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to. I've, I've got have it up a just now. It is, it is special just as you bracelet it. and a special stone, and yeah. I really, I really hate the mega evolutions. They look really stupid. I, I don't them. mind like the Charizard one. Charizard uh, one looks okay. They all look a bit weird. I don't know. It just feels like um, you're toying with designs that are. Yeah, they were Ancient. fine. Like, the Blastoise one's terrible. I really hate the Blastoise one. Does he get Gatling guns or something? He <laughs> legitimately gets wee water guns in his arms. Oh. It's so stupid. They don't, they really don't do a lot with it. It is literally just like a wee ornament or an accessory I, I, I here think, and there. I think but. the, uh, the form of these temporary evolutions is just kind of complicated, really. I mean, I it's, think... it's maybe just me being grumpy and curmudgeon about, like, the Pokemon that I used to know and love and play, I've... but it's... It is complicated it's... and unnecessary. I mean, if you want to change how Pokemon evolve, then, I mean, they, they've done it in Sun and Moon. You change the region and, and you go for yeah. uh environmental cause, like, oh, like, Muck and Grimer in Pokemon Sun and Moon are different Pokemon. Like, they, they look... Yeah. They're... Shape-wise, they're the same. But they've changed the colours and the substance of them, and they've slightly changed the type. They look like melted ice cream. And they've put it down to the fact that the- when Muck and Grimer came to Aloha because they were eating different garbage, they have changed 
they're not the same yeah. Pokemon anymore. Like they're not, they don't smell. They're not toxic. There's, there's environmental uh, factors uh, for their appearance, and which the- makes more sense if you want to change how Pokemon look or you want to change their form or change their type. Then, like, here is a bracelet, and I have given you a fancy rock that you have found somewhere, and now suddenly this one Pokemon can have a necklace because it mega evolves. Was that I them feel just like- panicking because uh, Yokai Watch was coming around and they wanted? Well, we already talked about that uh, last year. But for the, Sun and Moon or the Mega Evolution? The Mega Evolutions. Maybe, yeah. Mega they, maybe just didn't know what... Th- they were just like, we need something. Yeah. We need a gimmick. Uh, have you been playing anything else? Uh, I finished Mystic Messenger. That's about it. Like, finished totally? It's not gonna... Well, no, I, like, I finished all the good endings. I now have to go through and see what happens when they all go cray-cray. But for the most part, yeah, it's done. I've seen the good parts. Those are the parts that matter. Okay. Cool. Uh, and that's about it. Yeah, I haven't played anything else. How about you, Liam? Um, I've been playing Resident Evil 2. No, 1. Still. Uh, Overwatch. Still. Forever. Um, I bought a Neo Geo Pocket, so I've been playing Sonic. Yeah. Um, I think that's it. I don't think I've been playing much else. I bought The Last Guardian. I haven't played it yet. Okay. It's still not... Because I think you you told us I last week that, last that you time. had it as well. Uh, it's just one of those ones. I've got it and I know I have it, so I'm no rush to play it now. Sure, and you're just going like, to sit down and enjoy it. I bought it. I bought it on Christmas Eve, I think. Okay, so you- I didn't play it right away, and now I've got it. I'm like, ah, uh, okay. It's not. I was excited for it, but it's one of those ones where it's like it took so long to come out that this this now. If it came out like five no years rush. ago, I'd have been like absolutely bouncing off the walls waiting to play it. Yeah, but it's like okay, and I've seen it, and it kind of looks like what I expected it to look like. So there's no. Mystery? Sure. Um, it got spoiled for me as well. There's, that's a thing. Yeah, you so I kind of know how it ends, and it's like, well, that's kind of how I expect it to end. So it feels like I've played it, and there's no real reason for me to play it. Which isn't a criticism of the game at all, because it's probably an excellent game. From from everyone that I've spoken to that has played it, they've yeah. really enjoyed it. Um, but there's no motivation to play it at the moment. There will be. I will pick it up, and when I do play it, I fully expect to love it. Yeah. But I'm not in a hurry to play it. I'd so, much rather play Resident Evil at the moment, which I'm really into. Sure. Yeah, we used your uh, hand-drawn map for the last <laughs> poster podcast. poster image. It was really good. Yeah. Um, and it is that kind of game where you you can get really into it and and like draw out the level because it's it, it is it will fit on an A4 sheet of paper and it's quite useful to have that in front of you, I guess. Yeah. Um, can you tell me more about uh, Sonic on the Neo Geo? Um, it's well, it's basically. If you've played any of the early Sonic games, it doesn't really depart from the formula. Yeah. But it's, it's a really solid Sonic game. Um, it's a weird sort of uh, amalgamation of Sonic 2 and 3. Because when yeah. I saw Dave playing it, it had the Sonic 2 special stage. Yeah. And when you gave me a shot, I was playing through what was essentially Green Hill. Yeah. So, uh, I, I guess, in what ways does it differ from the classic Genesis games? It doesn't. Right. But it's an amalgamation. Yeah. There's nothing in it that you wouldn't find in other Sonic games of the time. Right, okay. Um, it It's purely just... What I'm enjoying it for is it's more of that, you know. Yeah. They tried to revisit it sometimes. I think we're like Sonic 4. They tried to revisit the old games then, and it didn't really work. Sure. They tried to capture the same... It was Sonic feeling. 4 was weird. Yeah. Um, it, it felt different mechanically. It wasn't made by Sonic Team, it was made by no. Dimps. And here's the thing, this game, the the lead designer for this game was the lead designer for Sonic 1. Yeah. So, you know, you've got uh, some good people working on it. Um, 
interesting trivia. It's the second game ever to be released on a console that is not a Sega console. So previous to that, there was only one Sonic game that had been released on another console. Oh, the, now, the second now, Sonic game ever. Ever. Right. Second Sonic game ever to be released on a non-Sega console. Now you'd be like, of course, there's no Sega consoles. Yeah. So they're released on everything. It's because... But, um, um, at the time, that's a big thing. That's a. It's because Sega had a deal with um, SNK. To right. release some titles for the uh, Neo Geo, and the ne- the Neo Geo Pocket actually does uh, through its link cable. It can link to a Dreamcast. The SNK, oh, SNK cool. are typically uh, arcade machine manufacturers, aren't they? Arcade and Neo Geo machines, yeah. yeah. Um, so, like, um, there are a couple of King of Fighters titles for the Neo Geo Pocket as well. Uh, King of Fighters R two is one of them. Uh, I own that. Um, that can link to uh, the Dreamcast version of King of Fighters ninety eight, I believe, and um, the SNK versus Capcom match of the Millennium fighting game can also link to the. Um, I think it's the Dreamcast version of either Capcom versus SNK or SNK SNK versus Capcom Chaos. It was only a couple of games that did it, but um, it was this weird thing they had going on with Sega, but it didn't pan out because, well, one, the Neo Geo Pocket Color died very quickly, um, and about a year after it was manufactured, um, and at the time it was like 1999, 2000, um, and Sega had their own share of problems with the Dreamcast, just about to get completely decimated by the PS2. Yeah, so. they did. The It's a shame, because I feel like the Neo Geo... It's the a Pocket Color is a much yeah. better console than the Game Boy Color. It's an excellent better. If we're talking about the hardware itself, because the library is no contest. Yeah. The Game Boy Color had a much better library. Right, okay. But um it's a bit It's, it's a like, solid piece of hardware. Yeah. I mean like when I was playing it, the only uh complaint I had was the lack of a backlight. But no handhelds had backlights apart from maybe the true. Game Gear. I don't know if that had one. Um, but the Game Gear, Gear was um had its own issues. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, at the time when I, if, if I'd been playing it when I was a kid, yeah, I wouldn't have had any complaints. Yeah, but it's just now, as an old man <laughs> yeah. with failing eyesight, and it, I an had to sit under a lamp. Twenty nine, maybe had. Yeah, I would <laughs> say it's an unfair complaint. It's unfair to complain about an old console having a limitation yeah, of the so, era. Yeah. It'd no, be no. like saying, "Why doesn't this have the internet?" It, it didn't have the internet because it's of the era. Like, well, no, it's, it comes down to accessibility. Like, if I have difficulty playing something, I wouldn't yeah. purchase it for myself. But the Game Boy I'm didn't not, have backlight not, either. No, yeah. exactly. And that's why I, I wouldn't well say... It'd be fine. To play a Game Boy now, I wouldn't say, oh, it should have a backlight. Because no. I can appreciate it's a... But the Neo Geo shouldn't have a backlight either. No. It's fine. No, I didn't say it should. I said it'd be easier for me to play it yeah. now if it had a backlight. Yeah. That's, probably I mean, something, not- that's probably something that would stop me... Picking one up in the year yeah. 2017. I mean, I'm not going to be playing this Neo Geo Pocket Color on the bus every day or anything. No. I only really bought it to appreciate the time that it was released in. It's a product of its time with yeah. a unique library of games. So I can yeah. I understand from that point of view. It's, it's about appreciating what it was. Yeah. Not what it is. Uh, which is, to me, that's retro gaming, mostly. Uh, you go back and you you kind of want to get yourself into the mindset at the time you know because you're playing like resident evil one on the playstation one mm. and the pre-rendered backgrounds look like ass i mean they don't look bad yeah but they're really boring it's and just a house you're playing through with yeah. a non you play uh, the hd version well. the atmosphere of the house is incredible um but it's about sort of going back and experiencing that time and to me the neo geo pocket is a great example of what could be done at any time, if you try and go for quality, yeah, it's a really quality console. Like a lot. It's weighty. It's well, like I say, it's well a really, built. It's a really nice piece of hardware. Yeah. Like Even the stick itself, um, the the analog stick. When you're yeah, clicking that clicky. around, it's it feels solid. It feels yeah. well made. 
It's um, the, the the analog stick. Well, it's no, it's not actually correct to call it an analog stick. It's more like an arcade stick. Yeah. Um, um is it? Well, it's digital. It's micro switched. Yeah. Because it's oh, you can't analog would be like on the PlayStation where it maps your movement on the thing one to one. Yeah. Whereas this, if you move it left, it just registers that as left. Sure. It doesn't register as it. It's not slow left. It's not you know. Yeah. Um, it's not like a mouse. No. 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 But it's you, like a, you, you a get the haptic press. feedback. From the clicks, yeah, you the know, click is nice. You know, like if you're playing a fighting game, you know yeah. you've done a full quarter circle. Well, because you that's, can feel that's every... where it comes into its own, really. Is like a like like I was mentioning, King of Fighters R two is one of the games I have, and it's astonishing how well that game works because yeah. like there are fighting games for handhelds that have like obviously like back in the like nowadays you can get like Street Fighter Cross Tekken for um, the Vita and it plays exactly like the console version but like back in the late 90s early 2000s there were a couple of handheld ports of fighting games but they never really worked properly because the digital pads are never designed for any kind of inputs like that they're not meant to uh, generally handhelds won't have enough buttons to support it either but like King of Fighters R2 you've got your full like um proper joystick um, which allows you for more complex inputs like quarter circle forward or like a uh, sure you can input something like that um, you've also got like um, light and heavy punches depending on how hard you press the button um, so like and you've got proper block strings and different tech and all that can use it it's like a proper actual fighting game on a yeah. handheld system I've never seen anything like that in the, like the late 90s um, and it's a shame that it was overlooked because it just came out at exactly the wrong time but yeah. the, the, the hardware is fantastic like this it is a real shame that that never got any more games than it did yeah I think as well um when it first came out, or when I first remember seeing it in the UK, it was just when GameStation had opened up their stores, and I remember looking at it and saying, "Like, I, I just couldn't afford it." I think it was, uh, I think it was more expensive than a Game Boy at the time. Hmm. Uh, and, would have been, yeah. Fairly, it's fair enough because it it was probably a case of you were paying for the hardware. Mm-hmm. Well, I think um, like um, Nintendo have a, a history of coming up against a more expensive, maybe better console yeah. in terms of hardware but Nintendo have always hit that right price point and that's very important yeah. it is yeah and uh, they've, they've got the they're, they've got the ability to do that cause, yeah. or at least they did because they would just make money back from the games yeah. and especially the- when they were, had the Game Boy and they had to yeah. they were charging developers per cartridge and well, on- the Game Boy wasn't the best option on the market at the time it, it was just the it hit the right price point it wasn't the best hardware sure. for a handheld game and on the flip side point. of that Neo Geo or SNK, my mistake, had the Neo Geo in the market, which was known for being, even back in the mid-90s, was known as being ludicrously expensive. Like, if you look back in games um, magazines for like, the 90s, um, you can find Neo Geos, which usually run about 500 quid, and you had to... F- yeah, they're, they're literally like a proper Wii arcade system in a box. Um, and they weren't on the high street either. You had no, to, you, like, you had mail to order up. them. You had to mail up. Um, oh. Games usually went, like, you had to inquire on prices for games. Um, so, like, it SNK were known for being expensive, but their hardware and games were top quality, like really high quality. Um, they tried that with uh, the Neo Geo Pocket, I think, and it didn't work because Nintendo already had that market uh, clamped down. Um, the Gamecom tried um, competing, the Game Gear tried competing, and nothing could touch it. So, like, it's it's a shame that it happened because, as I've said, the Pocket Colors are a great bit of kit and it has some fantastic games, but it was just released at the exact wrong time. It still happens now as well. Like, yeah. Sony tried it twice. Hmm. With the PSP Failed and the twice. Vita, yeah. One was more successful. I think the PlayStation Portable was oh, yeah. fine. It, it, yeah. it got the foothold. You know, it wasn't a failure. Yeah. 
but they really didn't follow up with the Vita. No, they the just Vita's a failure. Fucked it. It's a really nice console as well. I love my Vita. The Vita oh, is a great bit. Yeah, yeah. There's I, some really good games, and there's, there's a lot of good a ports for it as well. Stopped supporting it and just kind of. They in the UK, they've mostly up. given up on it. It felt like yeah. they did it like out, like right out the door. They were just like, "Here's the PS Vita. Do <laughs> something enough. with it. We're not." Yeah, so like, I mean, so much yeah, of it comes down to third-party support. But if they're not even going to port their own games to it, then. I don't think I don't know if we've mentioned this before, but when we were in Japan, when we were in Book Off, it was incredibly bizarre seeing like shelves upon shelves of Vita games. So mm. I've never seen anything like that, oh, and it was yeah. all visual novels. It's yeah, so there's, weird. There's so many people like, joke that, about well, it being a visual novel machine, but, but it really is. It, yeah, like well, we that's why I ashes. bought it. Like my we bought my Vita in Japan, yeah. so anywhere we went that had Vita games, I would look through, and it was. Trying to find huge, something that wasn't yeah, all in Japanese. Yeah, trying something that wasn't all in Japanese yeah. that wasn't a visual novel was hard. And then it is a. I mean, you go into a game or even, you know, second-hand stores here and you're lucky if you find two Vita games. Yeah. Maybe you have to rely on Amazon in the whole shelf thing, so. Yeah. Yeah, but there's some, some good uh, digital titles for it as well. Yeah, yeah, I got... Uh, I mean, most of the games that I... I bought, what, two? Three games. Is it Child of Light? I bought three... I think I bought three games when we were over there. Child of Light... Uh, Dancing All Night? Oh, no, I got four games. Yeah, I got Child of Light, uh, Persona Dancing All Night. I got Project Diva. Yes, and, I got, and, and they're all games that you you need like limited Japanese yeah. understanding to get through. You know, yeah. you, you know if you can work your way through. So you the can menu work out the controls. Then, Project Diva's yeah. another game, right? So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, so it's Dancing All Night. It's so like, you don't oh, really, course, yeah. you don't really need any grasp of yeah. language to get through them. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are just they even have so many visual novel games that they're put into different categories of what kind of visual novel they are. Oh yeah, yeah. there's, there's a lot of different genres. Whereas I know here that, um, you get like six visual novel games, here you go. In <laughs> Japan uh, I know that the, the PSP was really well known for being like um, a, a Fujoshi uh, visual novel machine like uh, a lot, there was a lot of visual novels targeted at women, mm. yeah. at least in Japan anyway. I don't know if that's the same for the Vita, I would probably guess it is, right? Because I, I know that like there is like a still a large market for uh, female targeted visual novels yeah. although I think, I think it's it went over to mobiles now it has because so. uh, the Mystic Messenger guys they're actually Korean South Korean mm. um, but the it's Shulitz that do it that's the developer's uh, name and they specifically make visual novels for women that's their thing all of them are geared towards female gamers mm-hmm. and I think I don't know if it's because a lot more women play visual novels or if they just think that's the easiest way to make money because I'm not sure any of the developer. I don't know if any of the developers are female um, but they make a big push out of being for females only and that they want female feedback yeah so Asian countries do seem to have a big a big push for women in visual novels what have you been playing Brian? I did play Clash of Clans briefly this week. How'd you like that, Brian? Against my better judgment. Um, Well, it's kind of like hit and miss. I started playing it yesterday. It feels a lot like Age of Empires, but with microtransactions and grossly exaggerated uh, periods of time to build units and uh, huts and resources and stuff. It's weird. It's one yeah. of these games where you have to like put it down for a while to let things build, and then you come back to it. Yeah. Presumably the microtransactions, a big push for them is to get stuff done quicker, yeah. so that you I can do better. So. Is, yeah. that, is that what it is? It's almost like the game makes you impatient. Yeah, so you really you so want you spend money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. These games are designed to do that because I can pick up Age of Empires and I can play a game. I can play a skirmish in like twenty minutes, and you know, there's there's no lim- you, you start building a unit uh, or uh, let's say. Uh, 
a barracks in order to create units. Mm. And that takes maybe a minute, a couple mm. of minutes. Yeah. But whilst you're doing that, you go and do other things. But in this, it's like really resource intensive. So you have one builder or you can have a second builder if you build a builder's hut. It's just very strange. Like it's, it's like I, 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 this game has won a lot of awards yeah. um, last year. It's got millions of players, and it does look really cool. The des- it's it's really nicely designed and has great illustrations. But I kind of wonder if people that are playing this have never experienced like a, a real time strategy before. I feel like um, a lot of these games, because there's other ones. I think the one that I know most is there's, there's a game called Dragon Veil. Right. I played that for a bit because a bunch of people were playing it that I knew. Uh, basically, you breed dragons. And you hatch them from eggs, and eggs take uh, anywhere from a couple of hours to days to hatch. Um, and then you want to do other things, and you can get coins and stuff. But they feel like games that the people who get the most out of them are either people who pay for them, obviously. Yeah. Um, but also people who um, work a lot, maybe. Yeah. So, so you just they'll like- get in their eleva- an elevator at their office to go up to their wherever, and they'll pull out their phone... They'll do a couple of things in Clash of Clans or so Clash of Clans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll put their phone away, uh, and then next time they'll be, you know, they'll just be grabbing lunch. They'll pull it out. They'll go, "Oh, this thing's finished building. I'll do this." They put it away. Then they're on the it, toilet another hour later, and they're like, "I'll just quickly do this." The, they're games that, um, if you don't have time for games, yeah, maybe you'd have you'd get a lot more out of it, which is weird. Mm. Um, not by virtue of being something that you can drop in and out of, just by something where you have to take yourself out of it and yeah. do something else for a bit. So, I mean, it does make use of uh, push notifications, yeah. which I have turned off mm-hmm. because yeah. they annoy the shit out of me. But it's the type of thing where like, boo, boo, your, your thing's finished building. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, jump into the game, build something else or whatever. Yeah. And I guess you could probably, like, optimize your time spent in the game by having push notifications yeah. and doing mm-hmm. that. But for me, that's it, it's not that's, really that engaging. No, there's not... If- so it's it's a very different type of game, yeah. and I can see why it's really popular. And it's because... for a very different type of gamer. I wouldn't say those people are gamers. No, it's it's passive. Yeah, it's it's entirely passive. Um, for I have me, a question well, I w- though. Hmm. Sorry, you say that there are millions of players. Are they retained players, or is that millions of people that have downloaded it and maybe played it and have just left it on their phone? I'm just going with the marketing. Okay, I, I don't know. Like, I I could probably look into it, but um, I would. I, that- I know that they've made a lot of money from it. It's like, know, I think yeah. it's the highest grossing game on the App Store. If wow. not, it's like, it's in the top five. Yeah. Is it expensive? I think Pokemon Go. I don't know. I've not looked at any microtransactions. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not interested in buying any. Yeah. Pokemon, Pokemon Go is the most, financially the, the most well performing. Yeah. Oh, right. of course. Um, People throw money at that like yeah. it's war. But Clash of Clans is definitely, even, I, I don't know much about it and even I know. Yeah. It's like one it's of the really biggest huge. games on phones. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, it's got television adverts and stuff as well. Yeah. Right? With like, was that the game that had the big uh, Super Bowl advert? With that model in it. That's, yeah. Uh, I don't know if it was. Was it? Was it Beyonce? No, no, no. There no. was a, uh, uh, she she's a model. Um, and I don't know what her name is anymore. Kate Upton. That's her name. Right. Was she in that or was she in a different one? I don't know because there's one that has a model and then there's a different game that Brian's right. It's not Beyonce. Is it not fucking Mariah Carey or something like that? There's, what? they've got a singer that, there's another one yeah. that has an American singer that she's is the a- same kind of game. And she's in the advert for it. And then, I know that Christoph Waltz and um, oh, he was that, in one. That fucking asshole that was in um, <laughs> Gavin and Stacey. What's his name? Oh, oh yeah, um, they're in one as well. Yeah. Fucking, I do know his name. I really, really don't oh. like Chubby on Funny Man. <laughs> That's the, the guy one, that does yeah. the carpool karaoke. Oh, yeah, yeah. What's his name? Cor- 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 Cordon. 
James, James Corden, Corden. Yeah. James Corden. Fuck him. <laughs> yeah, him and Christoph Waltz did a couple adverts for it as well. Yeah. Uh, but um, to go on um, a little bit about um, games like Clash of Clans, there was the Simpsons one that came out. Simpsons tapped out. Oh, yes. yes. Yeah. Um, I would just like to recommend a little bit of literature about that game, if you don't mind. Um, sure. it's, um, if you look for a website called uh, Dead Homer Society, um, which is um, as a website dedicated to like um, explaining when the Simpsons died, which was around season 11 or 12, and it comes, <laughs> became something called Zombie Simpsons, okay. um, which is where Simpsons is, is written by committee rather than written by actual comedy writers. Right. And it's, it's, it's a vehicle to sell merchandise, which is in The Simpsons is now just a brand rather than an actual series. Right. Right. But um, the guy that wrote that website, or writes for that website, my mistake, wrote a bit of literature called Tapped In, okay. which is all about um, the science behind how video poker machines works, and um, like um, casinos in Nevada and all that kind of thing, and how EA integrated that into Tapped Out, and how games like that work. And it's really, it's fascinating, I've read it before, It's a, you can read it for free on his website, you can also pay like a quid for the ebook version, I think. Um, but yeah, I would really recommend looking at that if you like knowing how the science of gambling and uh, free free to play or freemium games I suppose you could say yeah. um work. Um so yeah definitely the same, uh, I've got the highest grossing uh, iPhone apps open just now. So you're right, uh, Pokemon Go is at number one. Um it's Clash Royale is the other one by Supercell oh. that I was thinking of. It's very similar, and I, I, I is think is that the one that has a lady in the advert, or because I, I think I, I, they might there's both. A, there's a good four or five of them kind of circulating and, at the uh, moment. Clash of Clans is at number nine. Number nine. Mm. Uh, it's amazing how many of these massive mobile games there are. Yeah. Well, there's that one that's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mobile that's Strike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's oh, the yeah. One, yeah. See, I thought when that's I saw that six. on the App Store. The adverts looked like they ripped off his likeness. You know, because you get those games on mobile stores where like, oh, they've, they've been a bit cheeky. They've ripped off the likeness of this famous actor, but actually they paid him for his likeness and have him in the adverts because they make a ridiculous amount of money. money. Well, I've just downloaded uh, Clash Royale. I want to see what it's all about. (laughs) I, I believe going by the adverts is about tits. Oh my god. But it won't be because the marketing's based on tits, but the game's actually just based off of they just want to draw you in with it. Yeah. It's got a white it was guy like, with a beard on the app. No, there was there was a game like that though, for a while. Right there was a game that was advertised a lot in porn sites that, for a while. Uh, was the one that's like, come play with me, my lord. Yeah, it was, it was <laughs> a browser game where it was like yeah. all the marketing was like women that were almost naked. It begins with an A, I believe. Um, yeah, I don't remember the name, yeah. but like it got really, really like bad press because of that, but they just kept doing it. This um, it thing hysterical. you were saying about the, the psychology audience. of these games, yes, uh, it's not just mobile games that use that either, because I, I remember reading a similar article about World of Warcraft, which uses yes. the same psychology, like psychology to keep you invested in the game and to mm. keep you playing. Mm. It's about um, the frequency at which they give rewards to yeah. the player. Is this like uh, behavioral like psychology? Yeah. yeah, effectively, Skinnerism. yeah. And it's uh, a thing um, as well. Uh, and this is where loot boxes come in into certain games as well. Right. They found out mm-hmm. that if the, say you had a rat and you had a lever and the lever gave the rat a treat and it gave the rat a treat every time it pressed the lever, it would go up and it would press the lever a couple of times, get what it wanted and it would go away. Yeah. And it would be like, that's fine. If I need more, I'll go back to the lever. But they found out that if the lever didn't give a treat every time, it gave the treat at a, you know, you had to press the lever an unknown amount of times, yeah. and it would give you a treat every now and then. They found out that the rat would keep pushing the lever, yes. even after it had gotten two treats. You know, that's all it was wanted. It wasn't hungry. It would keep pressing the lever, and it would keep pressing the lever to get as many treats as it could, and it would keep going. Um, and then they also found out that there's a certain, um, um, you know, sort of 
frequency, you know, that you give these treats at that will uh, yeah. make that even It'll more optimize so. optimize it. Yeah. yeah. And it's that's how these games work. They work by... You're basically a rat pushing a lever for a treat. It's yeah. the same as Pavlov's dog, yeah. which is like when they ding the bell... And yeah. then they feed it. And then it associates that ding. It's the yeah. same kind of thing. But this yeah. is why I also... Conditioning. Um, Anything that gives you gratification, they're going to use yeah. that type of algorithm. They're going to analyze that kind of thing because yeah. it's the only way yeah. they're going to get you to stick with it. I mean, you obviously, in things like Overwatch, you get your loot boxes mm. and in the games, you know, you get resources and all the rest of it. But yeah. even a bog standard, even a game that you perhaps wouldn't think about this not an MMO trophies. You, you get achievements yeah. you get trophies it's video games make use of it the same idea S- certain video games do well anything on solid. PS3 and PS4 like they give you trophies for progressing yeah and that's, I feel like that's more that's like console a, based yeah that's at a console level but I, it still fits into gamification it does yeah and um, like you know if you buy coffees and get a stamp on your card you get free coffee yeah. every 10 stamps but yeah, the difference so. would be a game like this that's all they have going for it Oh yeah, no, it's about definitely. like oh, yeah. the focus of a game. If you're playing Bloodborne, yeah, Bloodborne, the motivation there is—I mean, you know—I would say that there, there, there's something more substantial bringing you back, and it's because it's a quality game, which is immersive and there's lore there. You can enjoy it, yeah, without that. It's, it, well, I mean, that's that's like reading a good book. Yeah, if it engages you, then you want to do it rather than using psychological tricks to yeah. to yeah. release dopamine yeah, or whatever. It's um, not all it has going. It's not the no, only. No, but I would I wouldn't it, say that. But it Bloodborne even ha- like it is, but I wouldn't say Bloodborne or something like that uses it in a way that is sure. It's not exploited. They, they they they're only doing it because that is now expected of them. I think they try to minimize it. Yeah. Whereas yeah. something like World of Warcraft is built on bringing you back and keeping you hooked. Destiny, that is entirely built on... Destiny has amazingly tight gun gameplay. Yeah. Like, the actual game mechanics feel great to play, but they exploit the player. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're not giving you an experience that you want to keep coming back to. They're giving you a treadmill, which rewards you in such a way that you feel like you need to keep going. Yeah. Uh, And I... You're aware of it when you're playing that game. You're not aware of it. You know, maybe it's a bit more insidious in certain games when you're not aware of it. But in other games, when you're not aware of it, it's because you're actually genuinely having fun. Yeah. You can sure. tell when you're having fun and when you're being compelled to play it. Yeah. Mm. So there's a compulsion. Destiny is one of those games where you're compulsively playing it. You play it when it's no longer fun. You keep going and you do it because you want these things. You're like, I need to keep doing this to get the next thing. Um, Bloodborne, it's quite easy to put Bloodborne down when you're done. When you stop having fun... The game is over. Yeah, it doesn't... I mean, other than for a lot of games on, I guess, other platforms, as Brian said, other than trophies, which are just there and which isn't... It's not the same effect for everyone. Some people don't get the gratification from a trophy. Yeah, but the thing is, as well, a trophy isn't a random reward. A trophy is if you do this... Some of them are. Some of them you don't know that you're going to get a trophy for it. If you do this specific thing, this will trigger this trophy. It's not keep doing this thing and you might get a trophy. It's not do the same thing over Sometimes over it's things like 10,000 10, kills. or and Yeah, it, but like, if you do 10,000 kills, you will get this trophy. It's not do 10,000 kills, you might get a trophy. Right, you right. didn't get one this yeah. time, do 10,000 more kills, you might get a trophy. I get you. That's yeah. the difference between the, the sort of the compulsive thing and the, the reward versus um, yeah, doing something specific and definitely getting the reward. Destiny does this because in Destiny you can run... Uh, a, a raid or a strike these are missions in the game and at the end of the game you might yes you might get um uh, a reward but you might not yeah. so you then have to do that same mission again to get a reward and you might not get it so it keeps you playing it playing it and playing it 
And you do it only because you want the reward, not because you want to play the mission five times in a row. Cool. The same mission. Um, so we'll finish up shortly. Um, just quickly want to mention uh, Games Done Quick. Mm-hmm. Don't know if you guys know. What yeah, it's, it's, um, yeah, the speedrunning thing cool. is coming up soon. Yeah, well, it, by the time this podcast's out, it'll be over. Um, it's it's actually Sunday uh, the 8th and uh, Monday the 9th of January it's running on. So uh, those videos will be online if anyone wants to check out some video games done quick. Uh, if you do a search for games done quick 2017, you'll, you'll be able to find those. Um, Liam, I think you've got a piece of uh, fan, fan correspondence. Yeah, this is from Ian. He's a long-time listener to the podcast. Um, and he would just like to let us know that uh, over Christmas he's been playing The Last Tinker, uh, as recommended by the podcast. Yes. Um, and this is his words. I'm always on the lookout for colourful platformers that recapture the innocent adventure of games like Banjo-Kazooie. And in that regard, The Last Tinker is a tremendous success. It's not particularly difficult, and shouldn't be, but it's engaging and fun. The mechanics all complement each other nicely, the story isn't a total cliché, and the world is unique, interesting, and beautiful. In nothing else, it's a, a great stopgap until ukulele comes out. Cool. Um, That's high praise. It is high yeah. praise. Yeah. It is. So he's he's seems like he's really enjoying that. I believe he reviewed it on his Facebook. He does these... Great little reviews. He gave it eight out of ten. Oh, cool! Nice. I think that's what he gave that. That's that's a pretty good score. Yeah. Um, for, for what was a really simple game. Yeah. Um, for a Lenore advert, it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> well, as long as he's enjoying it, that's true. Um, we should do another um, budget game challenge. Yeah, yeah we should. Soon. I think Ash had suggested using uh, sandbox, sandbox games. Sandbox yeah. games. So should we do that over the next month? Yes. And then yeah, come sure. back, come back in February and talk about what we picked up for less than five bucks. Less than yeah, five sure. Bucks see what you can get with the theme of sandbox yeah so yeah you could pick up uh, Rugrats 1 on the cheap if you can get it mm-hmm. that's got a sandbox in it or you could pick up well you, if you wanted to like play around with your, your keyboard you, there yeah you, yeah you can take it literally if you want if you can find a game where you can just literally scour a sandbox then by all means or I'll you know oh I thought you were saying it was legitimately a sandbox game <laughs> but isn't there Rugrats in Paris they go to Reptile Land and it basically is a sandbox game yeah, I, sorry, I, your yeah. joke completely went over my head because I was like, yeah, that is a sandbox game. <laughs> <laughs> no, the first one on the PS1 and, and in their garden there is a kid's sandbox. Yeah, I, I understand the joke now. <laughs> sorry. It's because I, my I knowledge just, of Rugrats games was too... Not, not even a joke. I'm yeah, you're, you're, if you're you too can, You know you too many can, Rugrats like, games. If you can stretch that... Keywords, I'm getting a Rugrats game. Are you? Can, yeah. I just, can I just watch End of Evangelion then because of the sandbox scene in that? Is, is that a game? It's a game where you try not to be annoyed at how It's a game where you try not to kill yourself. If you can, yeah, uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I was, I was joking. That was also a joke. I gathered. I keep smashing my glasses off this pop shield. Um, cool. So, do we have a poorly remembered game quote? Yes, yes, we do. It's um, this one. Um, a tiny hint on this one. Um, you might be able to get it if you saw a certain episode of a British comedy show from the late nineties. Okay. Um, that's, that's a stretch. Wow. Now, the, people will understand if they if they know the quote. Uh, There's no reason for us to stay here any longer than we have to. Let's split up, look for any survivors, and get out of here. Do you know what's funny about that quote? Yeah. Is whenever I hear it, I don't actually hear the quote in the original context. I only hear the specific character from the sitcom yeah, the saying actor's it. Voice. <laughs> yeah. Like to the point where if you said it, my first thought would be the sitcom, yeah. not the game which I have played and know very well. <laughs> I see. Well, there, there's a massive hint. If yeah. anyone knows, let's let's uh, let's know if you know where that's from for Ultimate Street Cred. 
Yeah. If you can name both, you get double points. Yeah. Okay. The sitcom and the game. We'll we should, your we name should twice. really start giving away prizes. Yeah, the prizes we we're your friend. That's really yeah. good. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for joining me, guys. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.